Slay me, Reggie. Everybody, it's the Wrestling Life with episode 261. It is March 19th, 2021. I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. Liam, we have so much to talk about this week. And as always, so many things we can't talk about right here on the first and only wrestling podcast. There were no wrestling podcasts, and we came along and said, you know, we should be the first and only people to do a wrestling podcast. And here we are. That's right. And, uh... Seven years later. You'd think after these seven years, we'd have at least one copycat, but no, still us. We're still the first and still the only. What do you know about that? Hey, so WWE uh, joined Peacock, uh, or uh, the WWE Peacock deal uh, took effect this week. It's not going great, uh, but the uh, Fastlane, <laughs> Fastlane pay-per-view, uh, the big Peacock debut show, takes place this Sunday. WWE decided to shoot a bunch of angles uh, six days before the pay-per-view and basically uh, book an entire card. I don't think this show's going to do very well. I don't think people uh, like the Peacock uh, deal. Um, are you excited for Fastlane? Have you checked out Peacock or uh, the network on Peacock yet? Uh, what do we do about this? Um, I the 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 first option on the table is is get yourself one of them VPNs, which I don't. First of all, I don't get how that's legal. Like, I can't believe that there hasn't been like a congressional law passed that says that's illegal yet. But also, like, other than that, it's like, yeah, I guess that's gonna. I mean, I think the network will still be on until like what is it like the first week of April or whatever. But after that, it's. If you're not using a VPN or other, you know, it's all very big. Yeah, if you're not if you're not doing that, then uh, you know that's that's kind of your option. You you do Peacock or you don't you don't have any WWE library at your fingertips on a streaming service anymore. Yeah, this card, the card for this show, is really, really weak. <laughs> Yeah, like Roman Reigns with Dan- uh, against Daniel Bryan for the Universal Championship. That's a you know that's a good match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Edge or uh, Jey Uso is the guest ref, right? Um, mm-hmm. uh, you got Nia and Shayna against uh, Sasha and Bianca for the women's tag titles. That um, you know biggest Sasha Banks fan in the world here speaking. Uh, not only does it not light my world on fire. I feel like it. It's it's uh, it's it's. I feel like I've seen this match, <laughs> and uh, it's all just a backdrop uh, for Reggie to slay us. Well, I mean, you feel like you've seen this before because we saw this before at the last pay per view. Literally, the last time we saw Sasha Banks and Bianca Belair on pay per view, it was this exact match against these exact opponents with Reginald probably getting involved. So sure. Yeah, uh, slay me, Reggie. I do like the Reggie vignette, or did like the Reggie vignette that was on SmackDown last week, though. Like, that like, was 
that was classic Bruce Pritchard stuff. <laughs> like, I think in general, like, I don't have a problem with the character. I don't think he belongs in, like, one of your top programs for WrestleMania. Like, you could do whatever you want with this this wacky stuff on the undercard. I just, I don't need, I don't need that being involved in what I feel like is a match people really want to see with, with Sasha and Bianca. Like, so just, like, all you got to do is not, make people want to see it less and i feel like involving nia Jax and reginald it's a good way to make people want to see it less yeah yeah the creative for the bianca and sasha feud has definitely made me want to see that match less <laughs> that's really never should never be the goal uh big e versus apollo cruz for the wwe intercontinental championship i have seen this at least twice on television in the last uh, three months, two months. So that's not a new match. Uh, Apollo Cruz. Any thoughts on his new gimmick? Look. Also, it sounds like uh, you're recording in a uh, busy diner. Yep, sure <laughs> does. <laughs> <laughs> Rage. Slay me, Reggie. Right. All right. Gonna talk louder. What was your question? <laughs> uh what do you think about Apollo Curse's new gimmick? So look, I I am I am a white man. What? <laughs> Very. What? Extremely so. I thought you were an Asian lady I've been doing a show with for seven years. Surprise. I've been, <laughs> I've been catfishing you and the listener this entire time. What? Um, but no. So it may not be my place to tell a black performer that the gimmick he is doing is racist. Hmm. I don't want to Bruce Mitchell myself. <laughs> um, but when you have a man who is we know how Apollo Crews sounds when he speaks. He's been on television for like six years in WWE now. Yes. Like we know how he talks. We've seen him talk on cat, like on T on regular WWE television in documentaries. Like we know how he sounds. He's on Xavier Woods, YouTube channel. Like you can find lots of footage of how he speaks in and out of character. And it is not with an over the top thick uh, accent. And yet, about three weeks ago, he started that, and now he carries a spear to the ring. And again, perhaps not my place to tell a black man that what he's doing is racist against black people, but it feels like it's racist. <laughs> and I, and at the very least, it's, you know, it's Kofi Kingston doing a Jamaican accent. Like, it's very clearly not how that guy actually talks. So just on a basic level of like, well, it's it's not enhancing the character for me to have him talk in a weird accent that I know isn't his real accent. So maybe just just don't do that or or the spear. Sure. Yeah, I'd be fine with uh, either of those approaches. Uh so but we've also seen that match quite a few times already so that's not a new match drew mcintyre versus sheamus is going to take place at fast lane and uh no step like uh 
two weeks after we see them beat the hell out of each other in a street fight on on cable television. And uh, then the real main event, uh, Alexa Bliss has challenged Randy Orton. And <laughs> I don't feel like it's clear that this is going to be an actual wrestling match, even if Wikipedia says it's an intergender match. And and none of the storytelling has been any good whatsoever, but I am uh, strangely intrigued to see what they do there. Yeah. I mean, it, it's, it's, we've talked about it. Like it's significantly more interesting than Randy Orton and Bray Wyatt wrestling. So that's, yeah, I assume it will be a, sigh cinematic experience mm. uh, involving uh, evil twin. Let's see. So some things we've seen in the last few weeks are Randy Orton has an evil twin who appears to him via a television screen. Yes. And speaks in a spooky voice. Uh, uh, Alexa bliss, uh, who, who is a gimmick that is only enjoyed by perverts. Um, <laughs> okay. I should say not everyone who likes the gimmick is a pervert, Ev- but every pervert likes that gimmick. Okay. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. And she can make, she can make Randy vomit black goop. Yeah, that's that's happened a lot. Um, and again, I think we've talked, we've covered this one on previous episodes. But she can teleport and shape shift. Yes. Um, and Tom Phillips informs us of how ominous and eerie it is. And then you know we just go into New Day versus the Hurt Business or whatever right after it, and it sucks and it's bad, but it is still more interesting to me than Bray Wyatt. So there's that. Yeah, so uh, Fastlane, uh, WWE Fastlane, not great, <laughs> coming this Sunday on uh, Peacock here in the United States. Still, the WWE Network everywhere else in the world, or if you have a VPN. Uh, there was another COVID outbreak in NXT this week. A lot of people were just missing off the show. Cameron Grimes, Johnny and Candace stayed home. A lot of people just didn't feel like going to work uh, last week. And, you know, maybe running wrestling shows during a pandemic is a bad idea. Well, yeah, and it's one of those things where you're running a wrestling show in a state where the only state that would let you for a long time uh, that also has very loose restrictions and a lot of people who feel that because they are tested at television, which, of course, they weren't for the first, I don't know, six months or so of the pandemic, um, maybe not that long, like three months of the pandemic, but um, they feel that they can go out and go wherever and go all around and go to Disney World and have big, fancy, you know, fully populated New Year's, uh, New Year's and things like that. And yeah, as it turns out, when those restrictions are very lax and you have a you have 5,000 people coming in and out of that performance center every day to do calisthenics with Albert. Uh, yeah, looks like outbreaks are, uh, are going to keep happening there. Albert and Scotty too hottie. That's right. That's who you want training the uh, the next generation of, of professional wrestlers. That's the cutting edge of this business will be, you know, the, the road runs through Albert. Sure. 
Andrade asked for his release. He's not getting it. Do you think he has the stomach to do the pack thing and sit home for 18 months? I do. I do. I, do you? Yeah. I mean, I mean, he's already sitting at home now, right? So, like, right. Why, what's, you know, what's the difference? Um, I, yeah, I think we have, barring a big shift, we have probably seen the last of him. And boy, isn't it wild that they couldn't make that act with him and Zelina Vega into a top act. <laughs> they didn't they didn't care to <laughs> well like every, every like since i want to say since 2001 i have been hearing that they need to find their next hot like latin star yes and you know post i mean not not literally 2001 post eddie and ray so right. 2007 or so that, you know, they put on a lockdown that was going to be Del Rio. It was going to be Callisto. It was going to be, you know, whoever. And then it was going to be Andrade. Um, I think Humberto Carrillo got thrown around in that for a half of a second. Sure. It's like, and, and now I guess it's, it's Ray's son. Um, although not like they're pushing him to the moon either. Um, but the thing is, it's like, none of those guys were even pushed to the level that Ray has been put was pushed to. And Ray was not pushed as a top guy for most of his career, but they don't even go like that far where they're like, put them on the show every week and tell everyone that you're a star. And like, like they don't even do that much with the guy. It's like, they didn't, they didn't try very hard. So it's like, they're constantly in search of this next uh, Latino superstar. And then when they get a Latino man with charisma and a good worker and has a good manager like they just like eh, we don't we don't know what to do with this guy I guess we'll put him in a tag team and uh and uh we'll just oh he didn't get over all right well we've got nothing for you sorry buddy he um i would like to uh rebut your point with they definitely tried with del rio like they didn't try to make him the next Triple H, but they did more with Del Rio and Sheamus in the last. They went further with those two than they have anyone else in the last fifteen years. I yeah, I guess. I mean, but they also like they did the same thing they did with with Drew in that original push, right? They they had Del Rio win the Rumble and then they beat him, and then. He won money in the bank and he won the belt and then he lost the Cena and then he won it back. And then he lost it again. And he was like, I guess a guy who would lose to, <laughs> to other top guys for a while, but it feel like he was definitely on TV and pushed at a higher level than certainly than Andrade. That, that is a fair point, but it's like they got, they definitely got closer uh, with the Alberta than all those guys. But I, it's still like, well, they still did the stop and start stuff. And obviously Alberto is a effing maniac and he would have gotten himself out of that spot, even if they had gone all the way with him. But yeah, it's just, they, they have been in search of this, this next big Latino superstar for most of my life, I think. And they're just, <laughs> and then they didn't, they had their, their next, their new next guy. They were just like, eh, you know, whatever. Give him right. the U S title, have him wrestle the same guys over and over again. Right. Well, He's not, he's not getting over. Well, let's split him up from his manager and then, you know, 
see what happens. Feels like he was a victim of 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 politics too, in that he was a Heyman favorite, and um, Paul advocated so much for him that to the people that Paul was advocating to, it became man, I'm tired of hearing about this guy, <laughs> right? Because as soon as Paul yeah. Paul kind of got out of power, you know, we had a few months of Andrade being de-pushed and then he just w- disappeared. <laughs> so we'll see, you know. But I, I always got the impression that he was one of those guys like like uh, with Pat Patterson and Dolph Ziggler, as the, the story goes. Like, <laughs> Right. They just they decided not to do anything with Andrade to bury him. <laughs> to uh to rib my aim it or whoever you know like it that that was my take on on Andrade and that being on tv that and they for whatever reason they don't approve of his personal relationship with their golden goose their 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 um their golden girl charlotte and charlotte has like half a foot out the door anyway right now she's shooting a uh, pilot for usa um you know it's and she got into the business a little bit later. It's you know, it's maybe it's one foot out the door time. I mean, and I mean, she's always she's been very upfront with saying that this wasn't what she wanted to do with her life, right? right. Like, yeah. she's very publicly said, I am living, <laughs> I am living out my little brother's dream because he's dead and can't. Like, right. she's like verbatim has said that many times and that's not to say she doesn't love the biz or whatever but like she's done a lot she's been very successful and so if other opportunities are arising her and also it's an uncomfortable situation like socially because of who she is in a relationship with then yeah maybe maybe it is it's worth it for her to to look at other opportunities yeah good for her you know i i like her personally like for whatever reason like I the the story of her and Reed like always resonated with me, and uh, I wish her the best. Yeah, like I don't, I don't, uh, I don't bear any will. Like, yeah, it became like almost a meme of like the character being overpushed or whatever. But like, right. she's a she did the job that was asked of her, and you know, I don't. I mean, maybe she maybe she was like this great political hit artist, but like I never heard about like her advocate, like burying other women like they wanted to push her to that level. And she did the job and she had a lot of very good matches. And like, yeah, I don't I don't, I don't got I don't have any ill will. Like, I, I think I think I got to a point where I wasn't that interested in seeing her because I felt like I had seen like every matchup that they could do that would be interesting with her. Right, but I don't, I don't, yeah, I don't dislike her as a person or even as a wrestler for that matter. Hey, good enough. Hey, there was an AEW pay per view uh, while we were not doing a show. I don't think we've covered that here. Uh, mm-hmm. And there have been a couple of follow up uh, television shows since then. Um, the Good Brothers are all over BTE, they're all over Dynamite, they're all over Impact on Tuesday nights. AEW loves them some good brothers. Uh, but I guess the thing everybody's talking about this week, and it's the only thing from Dynamite I haven't seen. I watched the show up until the main event, but everybody's talking about that main event this week. Uh, so anything in that arena that you want to touch on, uh, the pay-per-view that I don't think we've covered here, uh, the good brothers suck, and uh, the women's main <laughs> event this week. 
Uh, yeah, as far as the pay-per-view went, it was, I thought, a good show that did not warrant a $50 price point. Um, wasn't the worst show I've ever seen. Had some good wrestling on it. I liked the Bucks match. I liked the main event um, until the the three sparklers went off in the uh, for the big explosion at the end of the show. Um, I'm not going to say to their credit because I don't think they deserve credit for it, but like they came up with as good of an idea, I think, as you could to get out of it, which is the problem was they were doing this thing where they were like, well, Kenny rigged the explosion and he, and he either rigged it poorly or he intentionally rigged it to not have a big explosion to mock John Moxley. I'm not sure which, I'm not exactly sure which one they, they hammered down on by the end there, but it was, the point was Kenny, Kenny, there were malfunctioning explosions because Kenny Omega rigged the ring was the idea. Sure. And the problem with that was that Eddie Kingston was laid in the ring to protect John Moxley from the explosions and then laid unconscious for like 20 minutes afterwards in the ring. Right. And right. so they came up with an idea, which was they let Eddie Kingston talk, which was a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> because Eddie Kingston's great. And he said that he had an anxiety attack and then he passed out. And it's, as good of a way to get out of that as you, I think they were going to find. Right. Uh, and it's led to some pretty entertaining uh, Moxley and Kingston promos. So right. I am, I am fine with all of that in general. However, that, that type of finish where you promise something and then you don't deliver on it either on accident or for quote unquote heel heat is very dangerous and I would not recommend doing that often or probably at all going forward because those issues in 2021, because, because of other wrestling companies doing them a lot, that the heat is not on the heel when that, when that segment is over, the heat is on the company and AEW has built up, an enormous amount of goodwill with their audience. And they should be careful not to squander that by doing a lot of run-ins and screwing people out of promise stipulations. That's all. That's all. I, that's my thought on the pay-per-view. Okay. And uh, that led to Moxley and Kingston against the Good Brothers this week. Yes. And... So that leads me to two things. One is the finish to that match was Moxley got beat up a lot and then rolled up Carl Anderson and pinned him. <laughs> uh, earlier in, in that same show, Cody uh, got beat up a lot and then rolled up Pentagon and pinned him. Right. Previous week's Dynamite, Darby Allen got beat up a lot and then rolled up Scorpio Sky and pinned him and then got jumped. And not only did all of those three finishes happen very similarly, after the match, the person who got pinned then immediately beat up the person that won the match. Right. Am I watching SmackDown? I like I want to watch AEW because it doesn't remind me of WWE programming. Sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. Like, <laughs> but it never feel I don't want it to feel. I don't of all finishes to take, I don't want people being distracted by music, and I don't want 
the baby the good guy gets a roll-up win and then gets beat up for heat afterwards it's like just let the bad guys win except don't let the good brothers win anything shoot them in a rocket into space i don't <laughs> want to see them on the show you have so many tag teams under contract that you could place as kenny's lackeys if you need lackeys for kenny omega and just i don't need to see these guys I don't I don't even know like any more I guess they're doing a, a title for title match on an impact pay-per-view with Kenny and Rich Swan. So like I guess they're gonna they're still sort of doing the belt collector thing, but like I'm still we're like three months into this now, and I'm still at the point where I'm like, Impact is getting this is like the third show that Kenny Omega's wrestled on for them, and in return. AEW has gotten Don Callis to be a mouthpiece and the good brothers all over every show. That is not a fair trade. (laughs) Like that is, that is a hall of fame. That is a Glenn Davis trade. And I can't, I just, I want the good, the good brothers off television. (laughs) No arguments for me there. Like I said, I'm entertained by their shtick rarely but it it has happened sure like they're like i think in a in a vacuum uh they can be funny guys sure but and callus callus is great yes i have and again i don't have a problem with kenny doing a favor for uncle don and plugging impact or you know, or going and wrestling on their show, if that's what the exchange is for having Don Callis be on AEW television to be Kenny's mouthpiece, fine. But stop it. Stop putting the Good Brothers on television and stop putting them in, like, high-profile matches on television. They think think they're stars. And it's like, they being uh, AEW thinks those guys are stars. And it's like, those guys were job guys in WWE for four years or whatever, five years. <laughs> like, right. And I, I, and I don't hold anybody's WWE runs against them because you know, it's, it's WWE. So like, I'm not, I'm not someone who believes you can't like shake that stench off of you. Sure. Um, but these guys, I mean, they weren't like the tippy top act in new Japan either. Like they were just, they were guys in the bullet club. I know Carl Anderson had like a little thing where it looked like maybe he was going to be a breakout singles guy. He went to the finals of a G one. And amazingly, he had a great match with Hiroshi Tanahashi, which, (laughs) you know, which I think made people think maybe he was a little better than he was. I'm not, I'm not saying he wasn't good because I haven't watched most of that era of new Japan. Carl's Carl's fine. He's always been fine. He's always been a good worker. A yes, good, a good hand, <laughs> and that's fine. But like, to for the amount of television time that has been devoted to him versus or them versus, say, the women's champion, uh, it is not <laughs> the talent levels do not equal should should uh, do not equal the amount of television time. Nor would I add. It's not like you know the Good Brothers segments. Like we're out to lunch, or we're these, we're the two angry guys from the Muppets standing up in the balcony, <laughs> and the show's doing 1.5 million people, right? right? Like they're doing the same number they were doing before the Good Brothers were on the show. In fact, they're maybe even a little lower some weeks, right? And not because not because of the Good Brothers, but like they aren't helping. 
Right. So I, I'm just, I just keep coming back to, we're so far into this now. Kenny Omega, the, the thing of like, oh, Kenny's going to be the belt collector. Well, they're just now getting around to doing this title match, the impact match, like four months into this. Right. And, and like, what's, what's the end goal? Unless you think you're going to get Ibushi on your show anytime soon. I don't, with as much as New Japan tours, like, I don't think they're going to loan him out anytime soon because he when he goes back he has to quarantine for two weeks and he'd probably miss like 18 shows at that time so <laughs> right like right. i don't like i i mean i de- i can see like the wheels turning of like oh he's gonna win this belt and this belt and this belt and then he's gonna go after the iwgp title and he and abushi will sell out madison square garden or whatever like i can like i can kind of see like the the fantasy booking that maybe mr right. khan is doing right now right and pay and you know, that Kenny wants to pay off this golden lover story that's been building for 20 years or whatever. Right. But we're so far away from being able to <laughs> pay that off. So cool it on the good brothers and impact stuff until such time as you are able to pull the trigger on that. And, and then you could have Kenny walk out with the four belts or whatever and say, I want one more. And then you bring a Bushi out or whatever, like that's fine. But until you can get to that point, I just don't see what the point is. Yeah. Uh, the women main event did. Got yeah. It, was it good? I didn't it see it. It was awesome. It was tremendous. Um, it was a violent, hardcore brawl with blood and thumbtacks and, and tables and chairs. And, uh, uh, you know, both women bladed and it's not a match on paper that I would have thought I would enjoy, but it was tremendous. And it was also the thing why I think both are great. Like Thunder Rose is all around. I think maybe the best woman in that company. <laughs> She's great. Um, and, and Brit, uh, Dr. Brit Baker, DMD has improved, qu- improved immensely in the ring. And also like, there's the thing where, okay, They've been doing this feud for a while. The heel keeps cheating to win. So they're doing an ODQ match. And so, okay, now it's time for the heel to get their ass kicked. And like, she's great at like taking a beating. <laughs> like she took an enormous beating in this match. And at the end of it, you were like, the good guy got their revenge. And the bad guy has an out. And I would bet that maybe Chris Jericho suggested making this an unsanctioned match. Uh, because after Chris Jericho lost an unsanctioned match to Shawn Michaels in 2008, <laughs> he cut the promo about how that was an unsanctioned match and it doesn't count. And therefore Shawn Michaels didn't accomplish anything by beating me, even though Shawn just beat the tar out of him and killed him in that match. Yeah. So you can, you protect Brit in that way where she does a completely clean job, gets her butt kicked, bleeds, you know, the better woman won. But as as the heel character, she can come out next week or two weeks from now, whenever she's back on the show and go, she never beat me as far as the record books are concerned. And you can either do one more match with her and Thunder Rosa or you can, you know, spin spin them off into something and she can just always claim that, you know, I never lost and and, and there's no proof that I lost and all that stuff. It was great. Why aren't they wrestling for the championship? It's a great question. Um, <laughs> Not one I can answer. They did uh, two or three times cut to Hikaru Shida looking very intently at a monitor during the match. So <laughs> you would think that they're leading to one of them. You, I mean, 
you again, you would think with Rosa winning that she would be the one getting the title shot, but maybe it'll be it'll be Dr. Britt since again <laughs> she can claim she didn't lose the match. Yeah. Um, or maybe they'll do a, a three way, I don't know. But like yeah, like so I they like slightly hinted, I guess, that Sheeta was gonna wrestle the winner of this, but they didn't say that. Yeah. So um yeah, yeah, it's it's again, I like I like Thunder Rosa quite a bit, like Dr. Britt Baker a lot like Karshida a whole lot, but clearly the two women they want to focus on are Thunder Rosa and Dr. Britt Baker. So probably one of them should be the champion. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good idea. The, the thing about, um, uh, all their, <laughs> their, them having three high profile matches in two weeks with the same exact finish they were, they were taped over two days. Um, and, I guess that was the idea they had for those two days. It very much feels to me with these one live, one taped shows that sometimes um, the con- the continuity is a little bit off in that you have guys all taped up and selling injuries because when they taped it, it was four days after the pay-per-view where they got injured and then but by the time the show airs, it's 11 days or whatever. And it's like, why is he still all taped up from something (laughs) that happened 11 days ago? And it's like, I don't think, I think as with everything in AEW, there's a lot of half-baked ideas. (laughs) Yeah. It's a lot of like, well, that would be cool. We could do this. We could do this. We could do this. And it's like, okay, pick three of those things, do those this week. Right. The other four (laughs) ideas you have, we can spread those out over the next month. Right. Because they have, they do, they have like 10 weeks between pay-per-views or whatever, generally. Yeah. So like, you don't got to rush anything. Like I thought about that. Like they had, you know, Darby Allen got laid out by Scorpio Sky after beating him via roll-up last week. So he comes out to cut a promo with Sting this week that challenges the Dark Order to a match. (laughs) And then... Team Taz interrupts so that Brian Cage can shake Sting's hand and tell him he's still the icon because they're teasing a Team Taz breakup. And it's like, okay, pick two of those things to happen. Well, and then Lance Archer and Jake Roberts. <laughs> I for, I forgot about that. It was even it was an even busier segment than I remember. It's like, okay, so pick pick so have Lance Archer come out and 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 uh, you know. Uh, verbally at a uh, cost Darby and sting right. with Jake sure. or have team Taz come out and have Brian cage shake stings hand. You, you <laughs> shouldn't do both of those in the same segment. That's too much. There's too much <laughs> happening. Like you have so much time. <laughs> That's too uh, much. Yeah. They got three shows a week now too, by the way. <laughs> right. You you could do this. On, I mean, I, I don't expect them to put Sting on AEW Dark, but again, you could have done this as like a backstage segment and just, hey, when we have a week where we're a li- where we're two minutes short on a tape show, we plug in this Sting and Brian Cage thing. Sure. You know? Yeah. I don't know, man. I just it's just one of those things like, yeah, there's there's some ideas that again in a bubble they're fine ideas some of them are good but you're doing 37 of them all at once all the time it's like the 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 uh the good brothers match it's like okay kenny they attack eddie and moxley before the bell eddie and moxley fight from underneath they finally win at the end get beat down they pilmanize 
Eddie's leg and then they're about to pulmonize Moxley's neck and the bucks come down. So we're doing, they're trying to, they've killed Eddie Kingston. They were trying to kill Moxley and we're doing like the bucks Kenny drama all in, in one, in one segment there. And it's like, how even that feels a little too busy. Like maybe just knock Eddie out of the ring and, and then threaten to, to kill Moxley, like I feel like maybe I'm nitpicking here to try to better to try to bolster the point I've been making, but like that, that's just it's just there's a lot going on, and some of it's good, and like if it leads to a six man where it's you know Kenny and the bald guys against the Bucks and Moxley or whatever, fine. I mean I'm not jazzed about it because again, remember what I said about the Good Brothers being shot into space, but. Yeah. Like, if you're going to do it, whatever. Do it. That's fine. It's a perfectly serviceable television main event. I just, I just like, you don't, it's just so, so, so much is happening on these shows every week. Again, it's not all bad, but it's all a lot. Yeah. Well, they, they have two hours on Monday night now on YouTube, two hours on Tuesday night now on YouTube, two hours on Wednesday night on TNT. Eventually, we're going to get another show on tnt or tbs it's just i mean we are in the hashtag content era and there's just nothing but content but on our last show we talked about how the big show shining the big show shining the big show shining in his new debut in his new role in aew uh him signing with aew in a vacuum might be fine but also you don't want to be seen as the wwe retirement home and who do they sign but christian and I had a lot of frustrations with Dynamite this week. And again, I saw everything but the main event. But in the, the, the some of the people who were featured and got significant promo time on the show were Jake Roberts, Tully Blanchard, Christian. Like, and Tully and Christian were great. But what are we doing here? And like Christian, it just feels like, well, they went and they did it again. They got another WWE retirement home guy who in a vacuum would probably be a fine signing. And yet he's one of many now of a large uh, cast of veterans that are there to be player coaches. Yeah. Like I don't, again, I know a lot of people that worked there were very excited and that he's a, a a pros pro and all that. And people are excited to pick his brain and work with him and stuff. And I'm, I'm happy it's to wrestle again and that he's doing it on his terms and all that. And I, I get it again. I get it from the Christian side of it. Like he has about 20 years worth of reasons to believe that he'll be better utilized somewhere besides WWE. Like I get it, but um, yeah, like I'm not, I'm not particularly jazzed about see like it was it's cool like I'm happy for him I, I think he's a likable guy and and all that but there's nothing there's not there's not a lot of meat on right now it wasn't like immediately like oh I can't wait to see Christian wrestle X or this person or this person it's like like I I thought like well they I guess they could do that or they could do that or they could re- he could wrestle this guy but like I didn't I wasn't like oh my god I, I'm so happy they got Christian Again, it would, and I think we we talked about it maybe on uh, on our last show. But they when they announced that there was going to be this big earth shattering signing, um, that 
if it was not CM Punk or Brock Lesnar or someone at that level that some people were going to be disappointed. And like, I didn't see a lot of disappointment expressed, but I saw a lot of, Oh, Oh, all right. I guess, I guess Christian works here now too. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, let's see what else we got. Uh, New Japan's uh, just killing me. David Finley, BJ White. There's two shows this weekend. There's a show 4 a.m. Uh, Saturday morning and a show 1 a.m. Sunday morning. And then there's Fast Lane uh, Sunday night. So, ton going on there. I, I feels like it's uh, the Shingo Takagi uh, year to win New Japan Cup. But they're pushing him so hard that it could be Will Osprey too. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, that's kind of cool in that it's, I mean, despite what I might feel about Will Osprey as a person, like it seems like it's like they're going with newer people. And if there was ever a time to do that, it's right now. Yeah. <laughs> when Okada is banged up, he had a tremendous match with Shingo. When he had what was what's the injury he has? He has two slit discs in his lower back. Unbelievable! Like and that... he's he's supposedly it's so bad that he's like can't he can't walk until it's showtime. He's like Undertaker before <laughs> WrestleMania 30 or whatever. Right? Yeah. Um. Yeah. And he just went in there and he and Shingo just tore it up because he's the greatest. Um. But you, he's hurt. Naito's been banged up for. A, a decade or so now yeah. and could use some breaks. So yeah, like this is the time to like elevate one of those guys. They tried to elevate evil. And I think we all sort of agreed that maybe that wasn't the right, right call. Right. So pick, pick another, pick one of these guys, both tremendous in ring performers, both feel like they have some momentum right now, pick one of them. And let's just, Let's not let's not sonata this. All right. I don't want to see this guy work with the world champion and lose for the next two years. Like whoever wins this, let's just let's just go. Let's see him. Let's see them do something with him. I do think that the the other thing is gonna happen though. I think they're just they're making another sonata. Like I, I don't think you wanna cut the legs out from under Ibushi three months after he wins the the, the title, but I'm not arguing with you. Ibushi's forty or whatever, and is still great, but also still, you know, tweaks his knee or his ankle every time he wrestles. So, you know, sure. I'm not arguing. Let's stay with Pat Hand. Just saying, I feel like whoever wins the Japan Cup, they rarely win the title. It's they make a guy who can main event and they don't make a true blue main eventer, except for last year when they then they really tried with evil. Yeah, and maybe maybe evil not working out as well will make them more gun shy about going all the way with one of these other guys. But um, yeah, I don't, I, I don't know. I just, I just get that feeling. I like, I, I like, and again, I don't say that as a slight to Sonata. Like, I like Sonata. Yeah, but he has been like quite permanently slotted at a at a certain level there, um, and it, and it's, it feels like both Shingo and Osprey have a lot of momentum and are poised to slide into a bigger spot than they are right now. And I don't want them to just be like the guy who pins the champion in the G one to then lose to them at the November show, you know? Right. Yeah. No argument. 
but I think they're going to do that. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Uh, we've covered a lot. Is there anything else you want to talk about? No, I, I think that's, uh, I think that about covers it. We have uh, big show did his podcast rounds. Yeah. Uh, and I just want to mention uh, that he WWE didn't want to do a match with him and Cena and Justin Bieber because they didn't think Justin Bieber would, would uh, relate to the WWE's audience. Yeah. Yeah. This is what Justin Bieber was like the biggest star in the world. Right. Like he's still a massive, massive star now, right. but he was like the yeah. star. And they talked about like, and they, and it, and it was basically, it broke down because they don't pay their celebrities. <laughs> apparently. <laughs> Huh. And, and and like his agent was like okay so what are you offering and they're like well we don't really pay so we'll like help with album promotion right uh, and they were like no like i and big show gave an example of his agent telling him that he got bieber a million dollars to sit in the crowd at a soccer game like, right. right so he wasn't coming in for cheap but also like maybe it's worth it as an expense when you're you know stupidly rich and have more to do with and there i think jericho threw out an example of will ferrell wanting to do something and just asked for a donation to his charity for it and WWE turned it down so i was like oh that's uh, again i didn't think there was any big revelations like oh it's creatively frustrating to work for vince mcmahon what a revelation but i did think those were there were some funny like anecdotes about big shows specific trials and tribulations over the last five years or so yeah, I'm sure he has, you know, 21 and a half years worth of stories or whatever that he could. <laughs> I just want to say, I got a vibe. He didn't say, he didn't expressly, he, I don't think he likes Triple H. I'm what? just, I got that vibe. <laughs> what? Yeah, I, I got that vibe a little bit from, <laughs> from some things he said and didn't say. I feel like if you are a, a uh, young woman who works there, uh, Triple H, who is a hashtag girl dad, uh, <laughs> relates to you very well, and you have a very high opinion of Triple H. And if you're not uh, a female under 35 who you look at him as the fun uncle slash dad figure, you probably don't like it very much. <laughs> well, especially if you were like one of his peers, I would oh, imagine. Oh, sure. Sure. Like, yeah. And then he becomes the assistant to the manager, right? Right, right. <laughs> I just say Edge was very smart. I just want to point out again that Edge is like the one guy of that era who never worked a program with Hunter. Right. He did like a one one off pay per view match in 08 or 09, mm-hmm. and that was it. Yep. Smart guy. Smart guy, Edge. <laughs> there we go. All right. Well, we've covered everything and then some. So until next time, I'm Ethan. And I'm Liam. We'll be back soon with more stories from the wrestling life. Adios. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Now, here are this week's bonus features. Someone's, uh...
asked you if you wanted to marry their daughter for visa purposes? That's my theory. Um, so there's this uh, older couple um, who uh, it's a, a, an American man of advanced age and a Russian, Croatian, you know, something in that family uh, <laughs> wife. <laughs> and, right. and I'll just say they don't really fit together based <laughs> on my interactions with them. Okay. And often he has to come in to wire money back to wherever her family lives. Mother Russia. Yes. Like lots of lots of money. Like like you know, five figures of money. Okay. Um and he's not like a super wealthy guy. Um huh. he's doing that. So the, uh this is an aside. They they smell terrible. <laughs> they smell like and I like they smell like stale cigarettes and unwashed clothes. Mm. And Okay. Um but that's just an aside, that doesn't have anything to do with the story. But anyway, so yesterday they come in, I am doing their transactions for them and finish up. Smells very bad in there. A little bit irritated. So say, is there anything else we can do for you today? And she goes, are you married? (laughs) And I was like, huh? (laughs) And she said, are you married? And the the husband kind of like, he's like, oh, um, well, she has a daughter, but that's, it's, it's not, (laughs) that's, that's nothing. It's, she's a very nice girl, but I don't, (laughs) he just like shuffles her out the door. So I imagine any person of my general age that she meets is asked that question. I see. And I assume it is because she lives in another country and is trying to get her daughter a visa. So, ah. so that is that is my, my story of uh, I was offered an arranged wedding is basically, I guess, what, what happened. Well, it begs the question, would you consider it? I mean, I, I thought about asking to see a picture. <laughs> um, sure. You know. Sure. You know, I think that's fair. <laughs> I, think it's, I think in general, a good piece of advice, if I could give a piece of advice to people that are looking to get married, know what the person you're marrying looks like, if at all possible. I think that's a good idea. Yeah. Um, you know, you yeah. don't want there to be a mix up on the day and you end up marrying, you know, someone else. You know, you don't you want you want to know what they look like. Um, hey, you don't want to marry Boris Yeltsin wearing a wig. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I, I thought about it, and then I I uh, I said, "Ha ha ha! Okay, you all have a great day." <laughs> and and so they left, and uh, yeah, so that's the that's that story. <laughs> Um, have you considered that perhaps their money comes from being uh, black market caviar dealers, <laughs> like in an episode of Frasier? <laughs> oh, I hadn't, I hadn't thought of that because, as uh, you you know very well, I've never seen an episode of Frasier. Of course, <laughs> and I wouldn't know 
if that was a real <laughs> plot line or if you're just making it up. Right. <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, I trust that you're you're generally very serious about Frasier, so I wouldn't <laughs> think you would you would uh, invent such a plot. But you know, I I would not know for sure as I have never seen an episode. Right. There's just no way to know. Right. Uh, do you have thoughts on the uh, the Snyder cut? Um, I mean, yeah, I think it's cool that like. I mean, don't get me wrong. There's a lot of like chodes in that in that fan base mm. that I don't want to associate with, and so I don't like to. Uh, so I feel weird about. <laughs> uh, although I think I think maybe he lost a little bit of that crowd when he endorsed Biden for the presidency. I think uh. that was a that was a hit for for some of that crowd. But no, like I think it's it's a fascinating story of like they, the movie was basically done. He did go back and shoot more Jared. Well, Jared Leto wasn't in the movie originally. He shot new stuff with Jared Leto's Joker in it like a couple of months ago, but everything else was filmed. Like the movie was, it was basically just like time to do edits and effects. And they were like, actually uh, you're gonna, we're going to change a lot of this. And also, you know, you're not, it's like, and it's hard because he did really in real life have a daughter who committed suicide and he may have wanted to step away or maybe he asked for the project to be delayed and they didn't want to delay it. But regardless, he was not brought back to do the reshoots. Joss Whedon was brought back to do the reshoots. There's a side controversy to that where the actor who played Cyborg in the movie and has claimed he's very, he was very abusive and, and, mean um so like there's like so and the 2017 justice league movie that came out while i don't hate that movie i think it's okay but like generally if you are as big a comic book fan as i am specifically a dc comic books fan and and i am watching a live action movie featuring wonder woman and superman and batman and the flash and all these other characters you would you would think just on like pure like nerd joy you would get better than yeah that was that was all right i guess you know what i mean that was a movie sure right and i think whatever everyone's thoughts of the snyder the first two snyder dc movies man of steel and batman v superman that dude had a very clear vision for what he wanted to do and for the story he wanted to tell and you can say he told the story bad and i'm not i'm not gonna argue i'm like i'm not interested in, i'm also not interested in arguing with anyone if they think they're crap but like as a whole like justice league 2017 the theatrical cut feels like a sequel to a movie that didn't exist because they just like i don't know if you've seen any of it but like no. all of a sudden batman like somehow between the end of that movie where batman and superman were punching each other they were now friends and like Batman's like, we got to bring Superman back. He's a, he's the symbol of hope. And it's like, well, that wasn't really the story that was told in the previous film. And like, also the, also just like the, uh, there's like the mustache thing where all of Henry Cavill's reshoots, he wasn't allowed to shave his mustache. So he has <laughs> a weird CGI lip in it. Yeah. There's, there's also just like, they like color graded, like they, they like recolored the stuff from like Snyder's stuff that they did use. They like put in this weird like recoloring, so like it all look like it does not look good. Like the movie looks bad, despite it being like a 
by the time the reshoots were done, like $400 million movie. Like <laughs> it looks bad. Okay. <laughs> like just from the cinematography stack, not, not to mention like the, the effects aren't great either, but like, like they did like this weird recoloring on a lot of the, a lot of his scenes and it just looks bad. Um, so like I said, it's not a terrible movie, but it's not very good either. And so this will at least be a movie where a person like meant to do this and wanted to finish and, you know, and wanted to continue on a story. I think it's like, it'll feel like a sequel to Batman versus Superman. So if you liked Batman versus Superman, this is a good thing. I did. So I am excited for it, but I also like, but it's also one of those things where like, it couldn't be, I don't see a scenario where it's possibly worse than the previous version of Justice League, I guess. I see. Okay, that makes sense. I don't have any thoughts, um, period. Uh, I watched Batman vs. Superman like three years ago uh, in the middle of the night. I was half awake. I was only half paying attention to it. But the plot was not one that I could follow. (laughs) Was it on TV? But Yes. Well, yeah. So the theatrical cut also, like, they mostly cut. It is maybe too complicated. Like, I'm not going to, like, there's a lot, a lot of moving parts to it. Uh, And also, they cut out, like, it was a three hour movie that they cut down to two and a half hours. And a lot of that is, like, what Superman's motivation for wanting to fight Batman was. And, like, you know, there's like an entire subplot where Clark Kent goes to Gotham and sort of finds out that like sees like the brutality of Batman and how he's branding these criminals that are then being killed in prison. And it's like, well, Batman's not killing them, but he's basically signing their death warrant. And so like when the fight happens, it means a little bit more if you know there's like a reason for Superman to also think like this guy's a bad guy and maybe someone should punch him in the face, you know, like so like theatrical cut is, is kind of a, is kind of a mess. Also, they didn't really do a good job of explaining that, like, why people thought superman killed a bunch of people in a village in africa or whatever um that's delved more you know minor things that aren't that important to the plot of like why does the world think superman incinerated a village uh that's in the extended cut it's not in the it's not really in the main movie other than like about 30 seconds of this so yeah that all being said it's like yeah i'm not here to convince anyone that these are these movies are masterpieces if you don't you know, if it, if you if you give it a try and you go, not for me. I'm. I think that's a perfectly legitimate reaction to have. And I, and also the, like, and I know other thing people are like. Well, this is just going to happen every time. Like fans don't like a creative decision. It's like, well, that this can happen every time fans don't like a creative decision, and it, like an entire different movie was already shot. You know, right. Like so, the idea like when people are like, oh, they're gonna go back and like reshoot that that Star Wars movie everybody hated. It's like no, because they didn't film an entirely different movie that they then shelved and recut and re you know and and changed. If that existed, then yeah, Disney maybe would look into doing that. But right. <laughs> as it stands, this is like a very unique thing because of how like the footage they had already in the can was you know was an entire movie like two movies worth because the thing's like four hours long. 
Um, Albert Bell's not in the Hall of Fame because uh, people that vote was, on the Hall of Fame hate Albert Bell. But he was also, mean, right? <laughs> right. I mean, also, his numbers aren't that great. Over 13 years or 12 years or whatever. Um, hang on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. He played like parts of 13 seasons or something, but it's basically like 11 or 12 full years. And like he didn't get to 2000 hits. He didn't get to 400 homers. It's like if you're just looking, he was the most feared slugger in the game for like a year or two. But if you're looking at his numbers from, uh, you know, the, the 15,000 feet view or whatever, like they don't, nothing jumps out at you. Like you kind of had to be there to see. <laughs> I guess. I, I mean, I was just looking at it. It was like he led the majors in RBIs in the 1990s. Right. He, I think he led in extra base hits and he had, I had this thing. I was eight straight seasons of 30 homers and a hundred RBIs. Like, I feel like if you're that good for that chunk of time, and you're a nice to the media. You at least are like, you're. I don't know what the percentile you have to. Was it seventy five to get in? Like I don't know what what it is to get into the Hall of Fame. But yeah, it's seventy five. So maybe he's like at least in the high sixties if he's a nice guy. You know, right? I uh, I am also not going to uh, not interested in arguing about Halls of Fame with anyone. That's fair. <laughs> um. But uh, I know I know you think they're dumb just as yeah. a general concept. But but I wouldn't vote like if I had a vote, I wouldn't vote for him. And I okay. I watched his whole career. <laughs> um, yeah. So but if you want to vote for him. Go right ahead. I will. I will vote for him. All right. <laughs> TWL Hall of Famer Albert Bell. That's right. I try to keep on keeping on.